Welcome again, dear listeners, to another episode of Between Players. My name is Zach, and today I'm going to be walking through a review for a PlayStation exclusive that came out in 2020, Ghost of Tsushima. Now, a lot has been said about this game, and I'm hoping that I can kind of uh, give you my thoughts quickly without, you know, repeating too many of the compliments that have already been paid to it. And it is well due. All those compliments are totally valid. Ghost of Tsushima did a lot of things for not only the exclusive lineup that came to PlayStation, but just gaming in general. And I have a few thoughts about those. Now, one of the things that I want to say before I get to the end of the podcast or of this particular review is just mention that I usually rate on a scale of um, buy, try, or don't worry about it. And in this case, um, just as a TLDR, my review is this is absolutely a game you should buy, play, and enjoy. If you're a PlayStation owner, uh, it should be in your library. It just absolutely Um, hits the peaks of all of the game design knowledge, so to speak, for open world uh, action adventure games that came out in 2020, which I feel like the last generation of consoles really focused on that particular genre. And the things that Ghost of Tsushima and, you know, the Sucker Punch team really capitalize on are great. There's just an amazing refinement of systems that have existed in uh, the previous generation and we're, you know, kind of rolled forward into this current one. And it does it in a way that has a better narrative pacing than some of its um, brothers and sisters, so to speak, in the genre. And I think for me, it did something very unique in two dimensions. One dimension in the narrative is how things are broken up. There are essentially three main acts. The story is broken into three major chapters that coincide with three different areas of the island chain of Tsushima. And uh, each one of them has its own personality and I think represents a very different thing. Um, And obviously, uh, much like some of the games that it could be compared to, like, let's say, uh, Red Dead Redemption, which came out, you know, previously, um, it has very clear demarcation and gives you opportunity to explore different ways of uh, engaging with the narrative concepts with. And when I say that, I mean, like there are definitely some things that you like the choices you get to make as Jin, uh, Jin Sakai don't necessarily have like the deepest impact on the overall outcome of the game, but there are personalized touches. And that's uh, kind of the first thing I want to talk about. So this is a three act structure. It's a three, a three, three chained Island, uh, a three area chained Island. And they use this, like they use this structure to really great effect. Not only does it do a good job of bringing you, bringing you narratively through Jin's experiences but at the end, you see his transformation. It feels very natural. Like there's this, you know, beginning, middle and end that are very clear and everything's very telegraphed for you in a way. Um, but it doesn't make those story. It didn't make those for me, it didn't make those story beats feel any less interesting or engaging. Um, one of the things about that narrative that also I thought was really interesting is that there are some moments in the game where you take on little side quests, which, you know, some of them are like a bit of the collectorama, but it's not too bad because it feels very organic while you're exploring the island. And by the way, it is absolutely gorgeous. So if you're a fan of like um, his- historical or samurai historical romance era Japanese aesthetic or films like anything that Kurosawa made that would have been in that same ilk or other, um, 
you will absolutely gobble this up. And if you've never interacted with that kind of media before, I think this is a great place to start because it does such good justice to that aesthetic, the uh, Chambara aesthetic, but also which, uh, but also it like, it, it kind of like breaks out of the shell a little bit and embraces some like design philosophy. That's like very, you know, very Western, like um, the Assassin's Creed's, the Red Dead Redemption's, the Horizon Zero Dawn's, they, they all embrace a, a particular design mechanic. Um, and I see Sucker Punch basically like taking all of that knowledge and this setting and just kind of like squishing them all together. So you play Jin Sakai. He is the um, last remaining heir of a particular family and he's uh, being forced to fight uh, an invader. Um, The Mongols are invading Japan and they're starting with this island chain basically. And through it, Jin makes a series of choices and becomes a clear leader and uh, me and my friends occasionally joke around and say that he's kind of like samurai Batman. And that in, in a sense, that is true. Like in just like other uh, open world adventure games, you are given a set of tools and slowly you unlock other tools that help you either be more sneaky and stealthy in how you approach taking out the Mongols and the camps or the bandits or whomever you come across on your path. Um, and uh, or you can do like direct offensively, you know, like be true, like code of the samurai, no sneaking around, you know, present yourself and attack, you know, f- you know, very, very, uh, with, with all that bravado that's wrapped into the, into that style. And all the approaches are very valid. Like there are times in the game that you'll probably be quote unquote railroaded into approaching a, uh, a castle a certain way or a siege area a certain way. Um, but for the most part, when you're wandering around the Island, like freeing people's villages and kicking the Mongols out of ports and stuff like that, you'll largely be left up to your own devices, how you want to like mess with the AI. A word on difficulty. I would say that one thing about the game that could be um, that I would recommend when playing it, I played it at a, on a hard difficulty. I felt like it was a little bit lenient on normal uh, for how your engagements went. And it was nice to have that kind of like feedback. I don't think I played it on the highest difficulty setting, um, but it was fun to play it in that way because it made all of the encounters feel very, um, difficult. And there is a difficulty scale in the game itself. It does ramp up as you move from Island to Island, but you know, if you're topping out in the first Island chain, you feel like you're not being very challenged by the AI, go ahead and crank it up. Like much like Spider-Man, like there's very, or, you know, the Spider-Man game that came out previously, their combat is pretty forgiving on normal and, um, cranking it up really does kind of enhance the, um, to me enhanced the fun of, uh, each engagement. Uh, one thing I'd like to talk about with the engagements is, um, you know, 2020 in was a really tough year for everybody, obviously. And there was a lot of, uh, difficulty. So this game was really great in one dimension for me. And that was just the feeling that you're putting things back together. One thing you don't get to see in a lot of other open world games is that, yeah, you might like, um, you know, in the Batman Arkham games or, um, or in the Marvel Spider-Man that came out previously, yeah, you're going to kick out an enemy base or whatever, but you don't really see the city taking that area back over. It's just sort of like an empty, you know, it becomes kind of this abandoned fort or whatever. But in Ghost of Tsushima, every fort you take out or every village you free and every like location you go to, once you kick the Mongols out or the bandits out or whomever is the opponent, you get to see, you get a moment where they show 
things coming back, where you see the villagers moving back in and rebuilding the walls, where you see life coming back to that place. So it wasn't just about aggression for aggression's sake. And you got to enjoy and just bask in uh, a reward that was obviously intangible, right? Like you're Jinsekai, you're, you're worried about getting, you know, freeing Tsushima from these invaders. And every time you take out, take out an outpost, you get to see uh, Tsushima kind of rally around that. See the people of Tsushima, Tsushima kind of restart, start rebuilding their lives and uh, rebuilding their homes. And that's kind of a, I don't know, to me, it was a very wonderful part of the game. The next thing I wanted to mention is that like um, with the narrative there, like I said before, there aren't like a bunch of decisions you make that are, that have like deep impacts, so to speak on the ending of the title, but that does give you a lot of surprises. Um, some things you can kind of see coming and that's, I think very deliberate, but some things are very interesting. There's a couple of side quests I can think of off the top of my head where there's an expectation that you're going to go and fetch and quote unquote do something. But then once you come back to the quest giver, their reaction becomes very strange or you find out through the process of trying to like get the thing they've asked for that maybe you're not actually fighting criminals. You're just fighting other people. And um, that like minor, that minor storytelling touch or that minor style of like trying to say like, Hey, like sometimes, you know, people's, people are being earnest, but maybe what they're asking for is going to hurt someone else. Um, and how you should really handle that is, uh, is a really good message. And I know they don't really give you an option to, or at least I didn't find that they gave me an option to disengage from doing the harm, but it taught me a lesson, right? Like the NPCs are trustworthy sort of, but they, they have their own motives and sometimes doing something for them isn't really the right decision. And I thought that was very interesting, uh, like idea to plant in. And it, that comes back later in the plot of the game. So from now on, I'm going to go into a little bit of spoiler, excuse me, spoiler territory and talk about a couple of things that happen in the game. Towards the end of the second act, you are given a specific type of tool that it really unlocks a lot more, mm, a lot more gameplay things but narratively what it does is you're given this like uh, a poison basically to attack the mongols with and this is the one of the messages in the game that sometimes like arm arming yourself means that you're arming your enemy as well so the mongols eventually take uh take possession of this exact same tool and kind of turn it around on Jin and start harming the people of uh, Tsushima so basically you've you've created a weapon and now you've not deliberately, but have through a series of events, given it to your, to your enemy and he's going to use it against you. And not only to hurt the people you're trying to protect, but also a way of hurting you in a, in a, uh, uh, in the capacity of your fame, right? Like you, you look like a bad guy now because you've given, you've, uh, put so many people in harm's way. So those are some like minor thoughts on like those story beats. Um, the, th- transition from the uh second chapter to the third chapter actually was really uh, a big gut punch for me uh as you um as you leave the the warm embrace and camaraderie of your uncle you enter this you know burnt cold uh desolate place in the north and um you know you lose your your horse companion and that was something that i wasn't really expecting 
And when it happened, like I've, I've experienced it in other games, like Red Dead Redemption 2 famously, there's, you know, some, some like <laughs> the big sads get really cranked up at the last part of the game. Um, but this time it felt m- way more impactful. Like in Red Dead, your horse is just like a thing that you have with you. But in this game, you, you are, you pick a horse and then you, you call it by name. Whenever you tell it to ride harder, you're calling the horse's name. And, um, yeah, so there's that, there's that, uh, I don't know. There's just some like little tiny touches where the, the personalizations, I know they're not like, you know, they're not full on create a horse mode or whatever, but they really touched me in a, in a, in a, in a, in an emotional way that I was really surprised by, uh, but also really enjoyed in the same with, um, all of the quiet moments you get to have either resting in a hot spring or generating a haiku, um, Ghost of Tsushima really does this really interesting thing where they want you to kind of like think about and absorb the place a lot more. Um, and so for those for those reasons alone, I would say it's in just incredibly successful. Um, one other thing I'll mention and um, that I thought was really great about the game is the uh, free multiplayer add-on. It plays a lot like many other like uh, Team of Three uh, wave-based adventure. They have these really cool cooperative uh, story maps and it, it it allows you to sort of like remix the powers and abilities that you get throughout the game um, in a context that is sort of like this like cursed version of Tsushi- Tsushima Island. And it's fun. Like, it's really fun. The AI is fun. Uh, getting uh, getting partied up with other players is fun. Um, it's a very low stakes uh, section, but it's so well polished. Like, it's sort of like insane that they just like gave that part of the game away. So, you know, hats off to Sucker Punch. They That dev team just absolutely knocked it out of the park. Uh, the English, I played it through in English. I'm going to start a second playthrough in Japanese just because I'm interested to see like what the uh, comparison is to how the acting sounds and things like that. And now that I'm used to Jin Sakai's voice uh, in English, how will, you know, is that going to be jarring or not when I hear it in Japanese or, you know, that sort of thing. So there's a lot of like little things in the game, little touches that are, are just like really great polish and detail. Uh, another gameplay item that I'd like to bring up that I think is really excellent is that like in the game, there is a like a crafting upgrade process for your armor and your swords and, um, all that stuff is really fun. It's fun to unlock. And one thing that they left open that I thought was just absolutely crazy cool is the ability to uh, transition through different versions of a look. So like you you have like a base armor basically and you can upgrade it or you find other armors and you can upgrade them. And then you can choose which parts of the armor you want to see in its full regalia or uh, you like the mid-tier look the most or the low tier the most. You can mix and match a lot of styles. You can swap out your hats and all sorts of things. You can really personalize Jin's look in a way that's like really, really cool and expressive. And it's just fun to like have like, yeah, like they all the tools and stuff provide like rele- relevant bumps in your stats. But the cool thing about them is that they allow you to mix and match the styles aesthetically. So you kind of have like your version of Jin Sekai. And to that end, the photo mode is also amazing. Like I spent half of our Twitter channels just full of photos from the Tsushima Islands because it's so beautiful and so hyper stylized every, you know, as a, as a, a YouTuber's channel was once called every frame felt like a painting. And it's true. There's like fun weather effects, beautiful colors, every environment on every Island had like something different and new to offer. 
some of them appeal to different types of landscape aesthetic that maybe, you know, some people didn't think were all that interesting, but other people find really fascinating. And there's just so much uh, beauty wrapped into the artwork of this game. Like it's a place that I can go and play for a long time and just feel very satiated by. So I have to say like, you know, if, if, if I used a 10 star system, it would definitely be a 10 absolutely buy this game played on PlayStation. Maybe one day, We'll get to see it on PC running, you know, on the latest, latest and greatest hardware. But until then, um, you know, get it on, get it on PlayStation and get into it. It's a lot of fun. So if you haven't checked it out or you're looking for something from the last generation, you're one of those lucky few that got a PS5, go get it right now. You'll get to enjoy uh, 60 frame, um, 60 frame per second boost in performance. You'll get nicer graphics. Um, it's, it'll just be even better. It's like a, a, you know, a much more beautiful object then. Um, so yeah, that's, those are all my thoughts. Absolutely. Excellent. Ghost of Tsushima can't recommend enough. Love it a lot. Thank you for patiently sitting through this review and listening. Uh, tell me about your Ghost of Tsushima adventures. Uh, at Between Players on Twitter is where I've been posting those uh, screen caps and whatnot. Uh, just holler back at me and uh, share me share with me what you're what you were working with. Um, and uh, until the next time, thanks. <laughs>